Another episode of the Neat on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and apparently Miley, my dog, <laughs> who just stormed the pod room. Boys, today we will recap last night's UFC fight night, which was main evented by Marab Dwalashwili versus Pieter Jan. Then we are going to get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC 286 live from the O2 in London which is headlined by the trilogy title match between the champion Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman. Then finally, in honor of our very own Brandon getting his purple belt, a little late, <laughs> but John will lead us in a guess the purple belt battle between me and Brandon called, are you ready, boys? This was a surprise. Pinching for purples. And nice. pinching is the punishment. <laughs> and let me just say, you thought the power slap league was something? <laughs> power pinching for the purple belt trivia is here, okay? With trivia combined. Then, as always, and per usual, yeah. all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed my Oh, it's about to get real, Brandon. <laughs> I'm going to pinch it. And there's rules. I, I talked to the uh, Nevada State. We have uh, sanctions. So, oh, okay. I'm excited um, to hear He's those. going for the gooch is what he's saying. That's oh, right. But first, boys, how are we doing? One less hour of sleep due to daylight savings Ooh. time. Always a fun Sunday. Uh, always makes for a rough week, though. I will say, weirdly, mm-hmm. when the time changes, I have no, and that's for both. Fault, like when it goes back and forth. Thought we were done with this. Apparently not. <laughs> I heard that this is supposed to be the last time. I'm just hoping <laughs> I feel like praying, we scared to be that honest. two years ago. Yeah. Like if, if anybody, <clears throat> if I'm gonna like look into anybody's politics as far as who I vote for at this point, somebody's got to sign. Who that. in Indiana wants to get rid of this? Because that's who I'm going. With. <laughs> yeah. Who's willing to sign that bill? Yeah. <laughs> it's really like it didn't bother me too bad, but my my son, two and a half year old, that was a way bigger problem yeah. than I thought about. When we woke up this morning, four thirty a.m. Yeah, becomes five thirty. Not good. <laughs> well, I think they said like they've done like tests on it, and it's like medically bad for you. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Like, it just is. changing your your clock like that. Yeah, so. I'm not looking forward to this week. I feel like it always makes for like I said, just a rough week. Uh, mm-hmm. Boys, we are going to waste no time because, as you can tell, we have a lot to get to um, mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. episode. I'm crazy for trying to shove a game in here today, but it was it, it's necessary. Yeah, we got to. Before we jump into everything, boys, one thing uh, we mentioned it at the end last week but I want to lead with it this week um, and that is as we mentioned um, Isaiah Abel's uh, the, the young guy that we were talking about who um, suffered cardiac arrest in his uh, fight last or two Saturdays ago now mm-hmm. um, and uh, down in Evansville um, there is now a GoFundMe uh, set up in his uh, for him and his family right now. I dude, I think it's like over twelve thousand dollars right now. Mm-hmm. I know when I went in and donated, Andre Feely had like just donated, so it's definitely like reaching the masses there. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, seen it on different uh, social, yeah, man, like, people's websites and yeah, a lot of jujitsu and yeah, and, and it, stuff. Absolutely. Um, so. If you can, I mean, obviously, I mean, I've seen like, I saw like people that just gave like five bucks, but man, like when 30 people give five bucks, it does make a huge mm-hmm. difference. And right now he's in Evansville and I guess they're going to be moving him up to Fort Wayne. Um, and that's where his family's at. So it was what I understand it. His like friends and family are having to drive from Fort Wayne down to Evansville, which mm-hmm. is like a four hour drive or something mm-hmm. like crazy. What I read is that it's going to Muncie because Fort Wayne doesn't have okay. a long term care. Okay. But even mm-hmm. still, his family is still in Fort right. Wayne. And I mean, literally, if you look at Indiana, you can't get farther apart than Evansville and Fort Wayne. So the money is going to help them with like travel expenses and probably medical expenses because from what it sounds like, just as an update, it seems like he still has a really long yeah, road no. to go. And, um, 
hasn't woke up yet and um, until he does you know it's really going to be hard from what I'm understanding to really know where he's at um, I did see they put a uh, trach in his throat and mm-hmm. a feeding tube in, tube in his stomach so um, still need need a lot of prayers as well for him and um, mm-hmm. miracles can still happen so you know we're still praying for that for him but also financially him and his family anything you could give so the GoFundMe um I will direct you to um, the Gaha Jiu-Jitsu Facebook page because I know uh, mm-hmm. it's put up there. It's pinned, I think. Yes, and if you, but if you would like to give and for whatever reason cannot find um, the GoFundMe, hit us up at Neon Belly Podcast on our Instagram, wherever, um, if you know us personally, and we can definitely direct you there. Um, John, before we get into these fights, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. <clears throat> All right, people, you know what we're here to do. We're here to talk about Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where we need you to give us five stars, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It does a lot for us. Um, it pushes us in algorithms, gets us in front of people. Um, we're also on social media, Neon Belly Podcast. That's Instagram, that's TikTok, that's even YouTube. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on. We're putting out a lot of content, trying to do more. So the more you show us that you're involved in those, the easier it'll be for us to do that. Absolutely. Boys, UFC Fight Night this past Saturday and before we get to these results can we just stop and appreciate uh, the refreshing scenes that it was to watch a fight night in just a small little venue um, with just a couple thousand people I mean that was just Mm -hmm. awesome to watch I was looking I mean to me it was just like full nostalgia I text you guys uh, right before the wavy Davy fight um, that's when I started watching and I'm like this just feels awesome for me is like I've been a fan for so long I was like looking for the Spike TV logo that's how mm-hmm. it felt I was like is Anderson Silva uh, debuting against Chris Lieben tonight <laughs> that's the vibes that like that fight night this fight night gave me and um, I hope that we get more like this like why can't we just do this more you mm-hmm. know so uh, shout out to UFC because um, that was fun and I, I hope we get to more but boys I want more of the machine because Marab Dwalishwili defeating Piotr Jan via unanimous decision. And boys, if you don't know, now you know the machine is here. I mean, what a performance by Marab Dwalishwili. I mean, just pitched an absolute shutout against Piotr Jan. 50-45 on all three judges' scorecards. Didn't lose a round. Really didn't lose a minute in this fight. Um, And, man, he honestly just made that look easy against one of the best bantamweights in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, The pace and the pressure from Marab just never stopped. He never stopped coming forward. Never stopped shooting takedown after takedown. All the way to a UFC record for the most takedowns attempted in one fight with 49. I think I saw on the rest of the card, combined there was 55 between every other oh, fighter um and credit to Jan and his takedown defense because Marab was only credited with 11 out of those 49 <laughs> which we knew that right we right. knew we knew Piotr Jan is a tough guy to take down um but Marab also outstruck Jan in this fight and he was really just too much in all aspects for the former champ. Um, he extended his win streak to nine straight. And I honestly think he could have went for ten straight in the same night because he looked like he had five more rounds in yeah. him. <laughs> and to really understand just how crazy that is and how crazy the output uh, was, not only did he attempt those 49 takedowns, boys, but he also threw 418 strikes in this fight. I mean, mm-hmm. just wow. unreal. I think... On the rest of the card combined, he all uh, combined everybody else through like 555. <laughs> this one man <laughs> through 418. I mean, boys, this is crazy. But just your guys' thoughts on what was a record-setting performance from Rob Dwalishwili. 
I mean, it was just, so I said last week that I thought if Marab was going to win, it was going to be mostly him just pushing Piotr against the cage sure. and just kind of controlling the clinch. And I really thought Piotr was going to have the, the upper hand in the striking department. But to me, even this fight was another evolution in Marab's game, which I'm yeah. sure he's always had it, but he displayed like with the calf kick, completely mm -hmm. damaging Piotr's legs and was able to really open up on his striking as well. And yeah, he had a lot of control time and he had tons of takedowns, but the striking, like he just, he just showed yeah. the, a level of confidence that I had no idea was there in terms of striking and just completely ran through Piotr. I mean, what more can you say? Looked easy too. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just crazy. John, what do you think? Yeah. You know, I was, I was telling you last night that like looking at the Marab against Aldo, I felt like Jan had, you know, more want to push through a close fight where he was blocking a lot of takedowns and stuff like that. But Marab broke Peter Jan. Mm -hmm. we, we've never seen anything, anybody do no. anything like that. Mm -hmm. And you know, I do think that the striking looked so much better. I thought he definitely was never going to stop trying the takedowns. But even in a in the fourth round where he kind of didn't even go for any takedowns and kind of just stayed standing up, yeah. that left leg was so compromised that it put Jan in a spot where even if he tried to throw a Hail Mary strikes, he was just opening himself up for a takedown yeah. every single time. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's – I don't know if anybody could have beat Morab last night at that level because Jan is that top level. Like – the only person, the only thing you want to see now is like I seen somebody on Twitter like, what if uh, Aljamain and um, Marab had a Colby uh, Masvidal type of story where things were their best friends mm -hmm. and they turn and they fight each other? Like I, that's the only person I could see really being a big challenge for this Marab that we just saw. Yeah, it's tough. And, I mean, with the leg kicks, it's crazy, too, how early, you know, Jan got on the leg kicks and was just cracking Pure, mm -hmm. uh, Mayrab, I mean, with those leg kicks. And Marab was just walking through him and literally, like, Marab landed, like, three and like uh Piotr was like already limp like that mm -hmm. leg was dead so when the last one he checked yeah it's just he hurt his leg from a check kick that's uh, crazy yeah i mean because john had text and said that you know uh Piotr was gonna start doing damage with those leg kicks and i'm like he's literally gonna have to kick the thing off because yeah when you're marab dualashvili you jump into frozen lakes and just split your skull wide open jumping onto pure ice <laughs> like, yeah you know like you're just like reckless abandoned like there is not much thought there um I just think, yeah, he can do that against anybody, and it's a problem for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and now this creates just what a very interesting situation at the top, as we kind of talked about last week. We know his friend and training partner, Aljamain Sterling, is the champ. Marab confirmed last night after the fight they will not f fight each other, which we already knew that. They've mm -hmm. already stated that. Um, Dana White was asked his thoughts on a Marab um, saying that he would not fight Aljamain, and this is what Dana had to say last night in his uh, post-fight presser. If I get it, there it is. It's the other one. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Smart. You can still be friends and want what your friend has. You know what I mean? Um, it would be a really bad idea for Marab to go down that path. Is there a point where you sort of say, right, that's enough, you have a decision to make? Or and just for reference, the path that he's talking about is not fighting Aljamain because they're friends, right. just for some context. Do many divisions or what do you do with him? Yeah, so, so does Marab want a shot at the title or would Marab rather have people under him jump over him and him have to take on all these different, different tough guys when he's not even getting a title shot when he's next in line for it? That's a personal decision that he needs to make. If that's what he wants to do, I can tell you how that story ends. It's not, it's not a good ending to that story, but he's a big boy. He can figure that out on his own. Dana White, not a fan of Marab Dwalish really saying he doesn't want to fight Aljamain Sterling. Uh, so your guys' thoughts, Brandon, instantly right there of hearing Dana White's 
opinion I, on this. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't think it's that big of an issue because I know Aldo's talked about like moving up or That's like kind of leaving too. the title. Yeah. And I maybe I'm missing something, but I don't see why Rob. Is O'Malley's not booked, is he? No. To me, that makes a lot of sense. You know, book him up with O'Malley, and then we'll see what happens with Aljo and Cejudo, because who knows? Maybe Cejudo comes out and takes the title. I mean, that makes the whole division wide open at that point. Can so, I, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just saying, can I tell you my thought, and then, yeah. John, you can tell me, because you're bringing up the point that I thought. I think he's hedging his bets here a little bit, because I think what he's saying is, just in case Aljamain Sterling wins, I think... He's making sure that there's a justifiable reason why he can put Sean O'Malley over Piotr Jan in a title fight. Or Marab. Or, uh, excuse me, Marab, yeah. yes. Over, <laughs> so, because he's like, hey, he doesn't want to fight Aljamain. Next mm-hmm. guy up. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what he's saying right here. He's saying that he's going to get passed up as long as Aljamain is the champion. But, like, what you're saying is, like, what I thought is, I feel like Aljamain's made it very clear, once Marab is here, I'm moving up. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So, John, what do you think? No, I'm with you there. I, I the fact that you don't even mention Sean O'Malley and you know that, you know, this is a big super fight. You let, like we talked about, you've let Cejudo kind of jump over some things you've said to get to this point. You know, even if, even from a Rob side, like who knows what happens with injuries, whatever, like you should forcing his hand and trying to say that like, basically like either play ball with me kid, or I'm going to make you do this the hard way. It's just, it's just, he, Dana White being a bully. He does it to people every now and then when they don't match the storyline he wants to push sometimes. I just don't understand why this is such a big deal right after a win when you have the title fight coming up in a couple weeks. I think after you just said that, it kind of makes a lot of sense, right, as far as really wanting O'Malley. Because if you talk about star power, O'Malley makes a lot more sense as a mm-hmm. champ, right? And we know how that matchup looks with O'Malley and Marab compared to maybe an O'Malley or a Cejudo sure. and O'Malley and a, mm-hmm. um, Aljo. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so anyway, yeah, that... That makes actually a lot more sense why he would want to avoid that oh, match. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. The reason he did not mention o- O'Malley is because I can almost guarantee the UFC will not let Marab fight O'Malley before he at least gets one title shot. Yeah. I yeah. would be very, very shocked if the next fight they book for Sean O'Malley is Marab because we know what they want, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've all we've all been fans of this sport for a long time, and it's fine. Like, it's not like Sean O'Malley doesn't deserve it, right? It's not like he's jumping anybody or getting special treatment. I mean, he just beat Piotr Jan, and and, mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying. So, not as dominantly, we yeah. will say that. Two, that was two very different fights, very <laughs> different fights. But I think when you're the UFC, you know what you got with O'Malley, and you look at what Marab just did, and you're like, yeah, I don't really think <laughs> we want to just kill off O'Malley yet. They are they're gonna want him to at least get one title. Shot in my opinion, nine in a row, nine straight wins. That's crazy, man. Just it, it running is. through people yeah. and a who's who of. I mean, he hasn't backed away from anybody except for obviously Aljo. Yeah, kind of reminds you of Benil. It's like some of these guys are really good fighters, they're just maybe not the most popular, mm-hmm. and now they're sitting here trying to have to decide what they want to do to try to get to that title. Nine in a row from A-Rob, but another thing we alluded to last week was how tough a loss here would be for Piotr Jan. That's now three straight losses for him in what is, we all agree, the very best division in this sport. Um, and you definitely have to feel, and to three of the top fighters in this division as well. So you you have to feel for him a bit. Um he was, you know, especially being the champ when he was the champ. I mean, he was a guy that we all thought like we were witnessing greatness and the next greatest bantamweight ever. And the only thing that I can think is somewhere for Piotr Jan, the progress and growth has just stopped. Um, mm-hmm. 
clearly right because we've seen three very different opponents and three very different matchups, and and he hasn't found a way to get the win. Um, so it's going to be interesting for me with Piotr Jan to see where he goes from here and what changes that he might make uh, moving forward. You know, whether it's a camp change, a division division change, mm-hmm. or maybe you know he just decides to keep going and like, Hey, I'm just going to start rebuilding in this stacked Bantamweight division. You know, is, is a guy like Piotr Jan willing to go back and just fight the number six, seven, eight ranked guy? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, the only way I see that changing is if he were, I don't know if he can make 25. I mean, he's not the biggest 35er, but I don't know. Then again, I don't know. Um, it's going to be very interesting though, to me to see what's next for Piotr Jan and all this as well. Yeah. Especially coming off of that split decision loss to O'Malley to where a lot of people thought he won. Yes. But the real truth is, if he wins that, he probably gets matched up with Marab, ne- sure. you know, next. And we've seen how that matchup comes out. But I just think too, in the two fights, like the two, the Aljamain and the Marab the, uh, fight, is we've seen the the ground, the takedown. Like mm-hmm. as good as his takedown defense is, is there's definitely something that maybe isn't quite developing there. Uh, you know, especially you go back to the Aljamain, where Aljamain just kind of stapled to his back. Mm-hmm. To, to me, it seemed like when I was watching. Oh, Boys, again. Our, everybody listening, we promise Brandon's going to get a new cord one day. <laughs> I will we, order it this week. I <laughs> we, promise. We I, promise. I, I, it just literally, just don't even think about it. I don't it even know if it's happens. your cord. I don't know if it's your cord. Um, watching the fight, though, yesterday <laughs> it my, might just be you. My, that's more possible. Um, my thinking was his, it was very much more just like the few times in the beginning, there was a few shots Marab took, and you see um, Jan literally turning his back, limping out. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot more just very defensive, get me out of here mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I feel like previously um when he was really kind of running through people it was a lot more counter wrestling a lot more scrambles a lot more trying to trigger in some offense mm. in terms of the grappling yeah and then it, it's almost like that fight with Aljamain just really kind of halted him from wanting to engage much because yeah. he got so he's got so controlled on the ground so it felt to me just like good point. it was a lot more defensive in terms of the uh grappling and, and we've oh go ahead go ahead Jordan. i was gonna say i he did try to shoot i think it was in the first or second it didn't work i thought like in the fourth I think he tried again yeah. he tried his trip that trip that he yeah, always that, ends up hitting yeah, yeah. Him over, yeah um i also thought in i think it was in the third there was an accidental head but that really swelled up that eye that didn't help things either yeah. it was just really just a Especially once you hurt your leg, then that happens. And then at this point, you've defended so many takedowns. Um, he did a really good job of getting out of them, even not getting controlled very much when he was getting taken down. But that's just not enough when the guy's also out striking right. you, man. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine, like, even in between rounds, you know, he you saw him sitting on the stool, and every time he just looked dejected. I mean, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm not saying, you know, he gave up, but I mean, you could, I mean, that's a tough pay. I mean, even the commentators were like, this pace is impossible. Yeah, there's like, what do you do? He's sitting on the stool, like, what do I do? And Marab's across the cage with his corner, standing, smiling, laughing, yeah. like <laughs> bleeding from his nose. Just, yeah. I mean, like, what do you do, man? I, I mean, it, it's a problem, dude. It's, I mean, that pace is just like I said. I just, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat Marab Dwalishwili if he's going to come in like that every time. And we now know he can do it for five straight rounds against the very best. Whew. You know, it's not going to happen. But what I want to see, what's that? Marab and Umar. That'd be interesting. That could be the outlier. What happens when Marab can't... Obviously, he struggles taking down a lot of people, but eventually he gets to it. Sure. But what happens when he goes against a guy like Umar that we've seen, and obviously he has the lineage of doing some bad things to people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boys, in the co-main event, Alexander Volkov defeating Alexander Romanov via first-round TKO. 
And boys, do I got some thoughts on this fight. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I want to start with the good and where all the attention needs to be and should be. And that's how easy this was for Alexander Volkov. I mean, that's just as easy as it gets in the UFC, man. And uh, he made that uh, most of it. And, um, excuse me. And he made the most of it and did exactly what he should have. Um but then you get to Alexander Romanov, and like, bro, what are we doing? Okay, so I text you guys Friday <laughs> yeah. um, after the weigh-ins, um, and I wished I could change my pick then yeah. when I saw him on the scales. Mm-hmm. I mean, in your last fight, right, in his last fight with Tibera, he absolutely gasses at 239 pounds. Granted, at altitude, we talked about that, right. but still, just absolutely gassed after one round. I just don't think your next move is to walk into a mixed martial arts fight at 265 pounds, the man. Limit. <laughs> Literally the limit, um, especially when you're facing one of the best heavyweights like Alexander Volkov. I mean, am I crazy for thinking that? Because once again... You can say I have no right to talk, but I mean, just common sense would tell you, like, it didn't work at 239, so let me go up 35 pounds or whatever. I mean, just unreal, man. But, you know, your guys' thoughts there. You could have convinced me that this was a last-minute replacement. Like, I... A guy that wasn't, like, a UFC debut even. Right. And and, and not only that is, you know, Romanov, when you see the other fights he has, and even that last fight, there's these, these... points where it's just like this guy would be a very big problem for this division yeah. you know maybe Even in the tiberia fight that first round he right. just killed 10 eight him yeah. uh you, you you look at it like well maybe if somebody can get past the first couple rounds you know maybe it's tough yeah. for him off of that fight you just have to get past the first takedown attempt which like, was even labored right like mm-hmm. even that takedown defense was not what we've seen from alexander Romanov. they credited him with five takedown defense within that little scramble yeah and it's like he it, it gets stuffed, then he gets like punched in the head and starts like rubbing it like ow that hurts, <laughs> and then he gets hit again and dropped like I I did not see this coming at all, and I mean obviously 100 percent the props go to Volkov, but with Romanov like I don't even know where you go from here. Didn't even get a haircut. Yeah, <laughs> two two things I think that stand out. One is I think it's also important to note that Volkov is the tallest fighter yeah. in the UFC. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a different problem to try to prepare for, especially as a wrestler where you're wanting to shoot in. Right. Two is the only thing that makes sense to me as far as the weight is his, maybe he was thinking, if I put on some more weight, the grappling is different, right? Yep. 25 extra pounds on top of you is very different. Um, and that's obviously where he wants the fight sure. to go. But um, it's different when you're trying to shoot on somebody who's six seven. Yes. And, and, and I had that. I, I actually was going to get to that. I had that written down in my notes. It's like, Maybe he just felt like what you said with how big Volkov is, that he just needed that extra weight to control him. Because he did have problems kind of holding Tiberia down a little mm-hmm. bit in that fight. Um, the only other thing I thought is he could have really been de- dealing with a serious injury, you know, that could have prevented him from fully training and getting into better shape. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to go too crazy on him with the criticism because um, I-, I do think there was good reason, whether it was a strategical mistake or an injury or something. Um, but like I said, that's just not how you beat a guy like Volkov. I mean, you mm-hmm. just have to, to beat a guy like Alexander Volkov, right? We said it last week. You got to be special. And mm-hmm. if you don't believe us, go look at the guys, the only guys that Volkov's lost to. They're all in the in or around the top five, right? Um, so you got to be at your very best. Um, 
it just wasn't to yeah. be this night for Al- Alexander Romanov. And, and I guess for me, and I'm not saying this just because I had him for my pick, but I literally just thought from what we had seen, even in the loss to Tiberia, like this dude's special, man. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be something special. And like, I mean, just from the off, man, that first takedown attempt, I was like, what is yeah. that? I mean, dude, the only I, thing I will say, I've seen John level change better than that. You know <laughs> hey, what I listen, mean? <laughs> what if I got to, I got to. Butt crack out and everything, baby. <laughs> What's interesting, though, is Volkov did grab the fence when he was getting picked up. Yeah. And who knows what happens if Romanov does put all that weight sure. on top of him. That's yeah, a shoulda, yeah. coulda, woulda. And we'll talk about that as we move into it. The fence grabbing was just at a, a oh, all-time all high, night. and it was disgusting. And it wasn't even officiated uh, consistently. But that's the only thing that's there. But here's the other thing. Thing. If you can't, if you couldn't have tried another time and like you got winded off of the first attempt and him hitting you a couple times, it wasn't going to matter after yeah. that. But yeah, yeah, Just I mean, a tough, tough showing, tough outing. He's got to find a, a new. A new vigor for this because the way he's he fought this last fight is not looking good for Man, him. I I know they need heavyweights, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you move him way down, um, or maybe do you make him go get a win outside? I don't know. I I don't want to you know speculate him getting cut or anything. He only has two losses, so I know it's not like he's like in no man's land, but he needs to find a new fire for this because the the heavyweight division is moving now. We're getting more people who are being even with a Volkov, he you know, at this point he's probably only a couple wins from being somebody you gotta consider as a chance for a title fight. Yeah, and nonetheless, great performance by Volkov doing Mm -hmm. exactly what he should have done and needed to do against, you know, somebody coming at him like that. So good for him and boys, our next fight, Nikita defeating Ryan Spann via first round triangle choke and boys who would have expected this matchup would be such a grappler's delight High level. <laughs> I mean especially with how it started with the wild exchanges on the feet there I mean I was really shocked that uh, Kroilov even allowed himself to get pulled into those wild exchanges but I think that's just a perfect example of Mike Tyson's quote where everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth because yeah. Span drilled him with a hard jab <laughs> right off the top uh, but this thing ended up on the mat after those early exchanges and it never got back to the feet. Um, both guys attacking submissions and getting close to finishes. Mm-hmm. Even Ryan Span, r- real close there with the guillotine choke. Um, a ton of fun transitions as well. And in the end, Span falls into that Kroilov triangle. Um, and what a big win for Nikita Kroilov as he now makes it three in a row and will possibly move into the top five of the light heavyweight division. Your guys' thoughts? No, it was super fun to watch. Um, I It was kind of funny to me because, like you said, there were these really cool transitions throughout the first round. I mean, there was the Anaconda attempt by span and there was a couple guillotine attempts it was really cool and then literally i rewatched the triangle that Krolov ended up getting him in and it really just seemed like span just fell into yeah, it yeah, like just just literally yeah. fell into it i was just like man like it's crazy it just i don't know what you what you'd say about that but um yeah it's just one of those things with span man like he's either putting people out or that's you know he ends up going out himself yeah so well what i would say from this if you're ryan span when you watch that all you need to do is learn some a little bit of patience. You stood up and dove right into that ground and pound punch and dove right into a triangle. If you take a minute there, you know, you had some really good exchanges in the grappling. Obviously, you know you could hit him, maybe even have him stand up and yeah. get back to that. Um, I think he just dove into that guard yeah. a little too quick and a little bit too aggressive. And Korolov did a really good job of staying ahead of him when they were getting into these exchanges as far as, you know, trying something when he would try to transition to something. And even that, it looked like he was almost waiting on him to dive in for that, to switch into that triangle. 
Yeah, important to remember this fight was supposed to happen two weeks ago. Was canceled the night of the fight uh, because Nikita Kroilov got sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so they catch weighted this one at two thirteen, two fifteen, two fifteen. Both guys I think came in at like two thirteen, two fourteen. Um, but I definitely got the vibe. Neither one of those guys were there to spend more than five minutes in that cage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they both just went for it, emptied the tank early, and like Brandon said, he set it up perfect is literally he just fell into that triangle and credit to Kroilov like I said gets it done and I mean he's got a very big fight next now uh, setting himself up nicely there boys our next result Jonathan Martinez defeating Saeed not related to Habib Nurmagomedov via unanimous decision 29-28 times 3 this was a fantastic fight and was very Mm -hmm. Very close. I mean, really every round was very close. I felt like round round one, I personally gave to Saeed. I gave round two to Martinez. And then in the third, I did lean Martinez, honestly, at the end. I just felt like the leg kicks were doing significant and noticeable damage by that third round. Um, then that armbar attempt by uh, Jonathan Martinez was, to me, the closest that either man came, in my opinion, to finishing this fight. I thought Martinez was going to break it because I, like, mm-hmm. oh, I, Saeed's just one of those guys. He was going to let it break, right? I mean, there's no way that guy's tapping. Uh, but then Saeed did have some um, top and back mount control in that third round. But honestly, just didn't do any damage with it. And then when they got back to the feet, Martinez uh, had all that cage work and the clinch at the end. And to me, that kind of negated the time that Saeed had the back. But then Martinez, for me, was just doing the damage up against the cage, right, with the knees and the elbows. Maybe not the most effective strikes, but was, you know, compared mm-hmm. to what Saeed did on when he was on the back. Um, but like I said, if you're a Saeed fan today, um, I could see where you feel like your fighter won that fight because it was close. And, and mm-hmm. not a robbery had it gone to either guy. It was just a close, good, high-level fight. But your guys' thoughts? Saeed won the uh, verdict, the verdict scorecard. Just saying. Oh, verdict sucks. <laughs> no, but I, I agree with you on rounds one, round two. I'm going to re- have to rewatch it. Round three, I, like you said, was very close. It was. I want to say there was a moment in the third where Saeed caught a kick and landed a pretty flush punch. I don't know if he dropped Martinez or if that's how they ended up on the ground. I don't remember. They ended up on the ground somehow because yeah. Martinez had the triangle. Right. I, I want to say that was how. Um, but like you said, I mean, I understand with the clinch work by Martinez yeah. and the the armbar attempt, it was a very close attempt. I think anybody else is tapping. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I was I felt a little bit leaning towards Saeed, but I, I could understand Martinez. Yeah, yeah, I think it was rough for for Saeed. Is he was, wasn't able to get off the cage at all when Jonathan Martinez yeah. would get him. The in. whole fight, really. He, yeah, he, I mean, Jonathan Martinez had six minutes of control time, and most of it was, you know, holding him on the cage because he only had one takedown attempt and he didn't land it. But I also thought that Jonathan Martinez ate the like spinning shots, all types of stuff from Saeed and was able to kind of walk through him. And I do think the leg kicks helped a lot. And I think it was just when Saeed started getting tired, you can't keep doing spinning stuff. You can still be quick, but mm. it kind of took away some of his A game. Um, and I think Jonathan Martinez also learned that Saeed can throw head kicks just as fast in the first round as he can tired in the third. So he had to smother him. Oh, yeah. It was just a very good you know, fight IQ move. But I think, I mean, both of them, I, I'd, I'd like to see both of them stay ranked. But I obviously, with Jonathan Martinez not being ranked and Saeed being at 14, I don't know if he stays there. Yeah. But, I mean, it just shows you how deep this division is, man. Yeah, eating those spinning back fists, Martinez from Saeed, who to this point has ended so many nights using yeah. that, is just nuts. I mean, just speaks to the conditioning in the chin of Jonathan Martinez. But, yeah, that's now five straight wins for him. Came in unranked, beating number 14. Obviously, yeah, he's got to be in the top 15 this 
week. Um, and I think he's going to be a tough matchup for anyone, man. Mm-hmm. He's a big, solid, just nasty bantamweight. He did call out Davison Figueredo. Um, in the post fight, we do know Davison seems like they're trying to maybe set something up with Dominic Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't blame him there because you know, you can make a case for that fight because Figgy's technically not ranked in the in right. the, the Bantamweight division. So good for him for at least making that call out. But nonetheless, um, impressive, impressive performance. And he is somebody, man, keep an eye out. Just man. keeps getting better mm-hmm. ever since his last loss, uh, which was, if I remember, to our boy Wavy <laughs> David Grant defeating Rafaela Sunsal via third round submission. <laughs> Reverse triangle victory for our boy Wavy Davy, fellas. Uh, pretty close fight through two rounds, but I did feel Grant was getting a bitter, a bit better of the exchanges. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but then he just comes out in the third and decided that uh, there was no other option than violence. Uh, drops a sunset with a, a hook behind the ears, just flush right there behind that uh, left side of the ear, I think, or the right side. I can't remember. Um, but then on the ground, this is where it got interesting, right? Mm-hmm. A bit of controversy because Keith Peterson took a point uh, from Grant for a cage grab. I felt like the point was a little bit harsh to begin with, especially mm-hmm. as John said a minute ago. There just was no consistency. I, mean, I think I said there saw there was like seven or eight cage grabs total, uh, or maybe seven of the. I mean, there was seven one of the fights had cage fight. grabs. Yeah, yeah. Um, just was unreal. It's so weird sometimes in mixed martial arts where like eye pokes happen in like the early fight, and then four fights have eye pokes. It's like something infectious or something mm-hmm. happens. I don't know if it's like <laughs> drilled subconsciously, and when the guys are in the back and they see it, I don't know. Um, But uh, anyway, so Keith Peterson stops the fight, took the point, um, and then uh, the Suns out corner, Eric Nixick, they got a little upset because they were appealing that the position should have been given back. But instantly, in my head, my thought was, what position do you give back? I mean, it was a pretty neutral position, and if anything, Davey Grant was kind of in the better of the position. They were kind of in that, like, I guess... Uh, he was kind of holding on, a Sun Sal was, to a single leg. But I felt like, you know, uh, Davy Grant was already kind of had the wizard in, and he kind of had the height on him as well. But Keith Peterson said since he took the point, he didn't have to give the the reset. The he position, didn't. Yeah, the position your, back. That's your advantage there. Right. Um, and the fight continued, and uh, Davy Grant decided right then and there he was not going to the judges and just went straight for the finish, landed a beautiful spinning back fist that sends a Sun Sal to the mat. Rafael Sun Sal, man, so tough, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked a wrestle up, but then as he was coming up, Davy locks in the reverse triangle. Um, what a performance by our boy, Wavy Davy. Dude, I haven't seen an inverted triangle since Masvidal got caught in one yeah. in, in yeah. Bellator. Like, it's... What did you guys think, though, of that point? The, the, that oh, I, I wasn't a fan of it. Well, especially considering how the rest of the night went. But, I mean, I get that, you know, he was falling down. Sunside had picked him up and was looking to slam him. He'd fallen down his hand. You know, as you, your reaction is to reach out. You yeah. know, guys grab the fence all the time on in that. But to immediately go for it and then see the rest of the night, the guys are just getting their hand tapped and like, hey, right. man, please, come on. Yeah. You know, it, it makes yeah, you especially feel. especially the first. And, like, I, I didn't feel like he would, He didn't use it to get up or regain a position. You know what I mean? Right. It was just, I don't know. And I, and I don't feel like it's, a, like, a, a illegal elbow or something else that really changes how that fight ends because, you know, that fight, like you said, they didn't even end up in a, a, a very great spot for a sunset even as they landed. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think that you either need to immediately point somebody every time they touch the fence or, you know, be a, give them a warning or two and then, then you start doing it. Because if not, I mean, you see how it can change fights and you see 
you know, it put Davey in a situation. I mean, good for him, I guess, because then he knew, like, oh, I have to go for this because it was a back-and-forth fight. Yeah, it could have probably ended in a draw yeah. if he didn't finish. Right, so I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, like like Nate said, like, consistency for me is a big one. Um, it's really frustrating to see it get called like that super quick, and then on the other six, it doesn't even get addressed. But I almost think of it maybe like kind of soccer with the advantage play where maybe refs can kind of make that decision in the moment of, okay, is this big of enough of a foul where it's going to cut, like, fight sure. uh, Change changing yeah. versus mm-hmm. or is this ah no you know just kind of grabbed it real quick but nothing real crazy changed because sure. you could say the same thing about Volkov where right. if he hadn't grabbed the fence maybe Romanov gets on top sure who knows how that goes yeah and that, and that you're, I'm glad you brought that up I forgot about that in that yeah. fight so yeah I don't want to go once again don't want to keep going too hard on Romanov because yeah that that could have changed a lot yeah. I agree and then if you put 265 pounds on top of <laughs> right. Alexander Volkov it could definitely right. change yeah. it so and, uh, yeah. Cody Garbrandt tweeted out that he thinks that fighters should immediately get points if they grab the fence and i mean it, but at least like i'd be more on board with that than just the like brandon saying just the lack of consistency like at least it's like hey if it's an accident if it doesn't do anything whatever if you do it it's a point period yeah. so yeah that first fight on the main card i but, think that guy did it seven times in one round and all he ever got was his hand tapped and that's yeah. just but but yeah so but wavy davy boys moves on two straight victories but Rafael Sunsau did retire in the cage mm-hmm. um and and Sunsau is just an absolute legend man and congrats to him on just a phenomenal career he walks away with wins over Aljamain Sterling TJ Dillashaw Marlon Moraes Rob Font and Pedro Munoz and many more but that's just to name a few um and that's definitely something to be proud of mm-hmm. um so yeah congrats to him and that's all we're going to cover for this fight night boys and before we move on to ufc 286 one more thing on the venue it actually sounds like this all happened because slap was holding their season finale at the apex so i guess i can say i'm finally starting to kind of come around on this whole slap thing and i hope they just continue <laughs> continue <laughs> occupying the apex yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brandon, update us on our scores. All right, it's turning into a battle for second because, Nate, you came away with six points. You got <gasps> 25. John, you had uh, two. or Yeah, two, you got 16. I had three, so I have 15. So Nate's, Nate's running away. Yeah, it's getting it's getting hot early, boys, and I'm going to keep the streak going with UFC 286 bow, bow, bow. this Saturday, March 18th from the O2 Arena in London, England, boys. And as a reminder, uh, we do have an early start time for this pay-per-view with it being over there in London, and that is 5 p.m. Eastern for the main card on pay-per-view. So Not mad. Don't say we didn't tell you. Yeah, right? I mean, this last weekend, starting at 6 was nice. Yeah, it was. I agree. And before we get to our welterweight, title fight in the main event boys a little fun fact about England between 1720 and 1751 London went through a period called the gin craze Uh, the craze started when parliament deregulated the distilling trade to deal with a surplus of corn so distillers flooded the market with cheap liquor and all hell broke loose boys Uh, during the peak of the craze the average consumption of gin was two pints per week for every person in the city and that included children yes it did it nice. finally ended when laws were passed and restricted uh and then the distilling and selling of gin changed forever um and i did have a joke that i will not say publicly <laughs> <laughs> about london and gin. i'll tell you guys later <laughs> uh. our main event boys the champ leon edwards versus kamara usman take it away john 
I have the co-main. Brandon. It's Brandon. <laughs> All right, guys. Say, if it's John, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, just do it on the fly. Um, so the main event this Saturday features a highly anticipated trilogy fight between the new welterweight yeah. champ, Leon, Rocky Edwards, who is the number four pound-for-pound fighter in the world, and the Nigerian might- nightmare, Kamaru Usman, who is the number five pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Uh, these men met for the first time back in 2015 when Usman was able to grind out a decision victory over Edwards. However, after losing that bout, both men went on to have their own respective win streaks, Usman having won 15 in a row while Edwards had nine after their first bout. In the rematch at Salt Lake City, things looked good for Edwards early as he was able to score that clinch takedown, scratching mm-hmm. into Usman's 97% takedown defense and holding Kamaru's back the rest of the round. But the rest of the fight were all Usman, though, as he was able to control the grappling and seemingly dictate the rest of the fight, mixing in takedowns and a solid jab. With 56 seconds left in their fight, crazy Usman was really just had to stay awake to retain the title, and then Leon lived up to his nickname and threw the head kick that was heard around the world, oh, knocking out Usman, headshot. handing him the second loss of his professional career and halting his attempt to tie Anderson Silva's record. It's a curse at this point. The trilogy will answer the question, was yeah. Leon's head kick a stroke of luck, or will he show once <sighs> again why you can never count out a man with the nickname Rocky? Man. I mean, just like I went back this week, boys, and and I started, so I watched the whole fight, but really, you watch Leon, the corner, obviously, right? It starts between rounds four and five with his corner, and I mean, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it, but I mean, game, not only did it give me goosebumps just re-watching it now, I haven't watched it um, since then, I mean, just really emotional, man, like, it just, even, like I said, just even thinking about it right now, just... And then John Annick's the whole, like, he's not cut from that cloth. Whack! You know, just, I mean, just, you couldn't script it. I mean, I know we said it back then. Script is in. Man, it just, it's so, it's so awesome. And to me, that whole moment and the way it all played out, it's so, like, it is such a movie um, that to see this, I mean, I know it's the the trilogy, but really, to me, it comes down to that second fight. This Mm -hmm. is the sequel, and I have no idea what we're (laughs) about to see. So let's get into our picks with Last Place. Brandon, yeah. take it away. So I picked Leon last time. So yeah. I I can't not pick him this time, you know? I think oh, as no. much, I understand he's the underdog. Usman's still a favorite, and I understand that fight was looking really good for Usman, but I just think that I don't think you can shake a, a loss like this. I think yeah. it's going to be in Usman's head the entire time, regardless of how confident he seems, and I think that Leon knows he can end this fight at any point. Yeah. So I think he's going to carry that confidence, and I just think it's going to be... Um, it's going to be his night again. So I'm taking Leon Edwards by fourth round knockout. What do you think, John? Man, I just had a flashback of how I felt watching. It's crazy, like, man. I, I don't know. It's been a long time since I felt something like that. I but. really like everybody this week before this fight. Do yourself a favor. Start in between rounds. Watch the corner work and just watch that fifth round yeah. again, man. If I you mean, need hype. Even, need the, a hype to get up to work or something. Watch oh, that. Yeah, the visuals. I mean, it's crazy. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So. I, it, I don't know what to think. Uh, you, you you like to think that a knockout like this, I mean, we've seen guys' whole careers just fall apart after getting knocked out in that type of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have seen some guys bounce back. Um, with with Leon, it's or not with Leon, but with Kamaru, it's interesting because he was kind of edging toward maybe going out in the sun, retirement. Or, you know, retirement. Mm-hmm. He has horrible knees. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd never been knocked out like this. Like, this changes a lot of things. And let's not, let, also not forget how Brandon said in the first round, he was taken down. He was controlled on his back. Like, there's some yeah. elements to this that we've never seen Kamaru go through in the whole aspect. Um, 
and I have to, I think I'm going to go with the logic of it's hard to rebound from this, especially somebody who wanted to kind of maybe talk about retirement. I'm going with Leon as well. I think that, you know, he could have his number. He could be in his head. And I think that especially in London, I mean, Leon has everything. Yeah, I, didn't even I mean, he has the whole, anything he could ask for is in this situation. So I'm going to take Leon Edwards by second round TKO. Yeah, this fight, it's just so intriguing for so many different reasons for me. And one of the reasons is because we now have had three of the most dominant champions in this sport's history lose the fights that they were winning. Usman, Izzy, and Val now Valentina, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this fight is the first of those to be rematched. Uh, so to see how Usman handles this will be very interesting. I understand every fighter is different. Everybody addresses things. But I think there is something to the pressure of being a champion for so long um, that I think all three of those people I just mentioned can relate to. We saw another dominant champion like Amanda Nunes uh, handle her title rematch by coming back and just silencing the doubts, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just not so sure that that's what we're going to see here in terms of the dominance from the former champion uh, because there is, in my opinion, such a strong case for both of these guys to win this mm -hmm. fight. And I am very interested to see how they will approach this third fight. You know, it's hard to ignore how Usman was kind of starting to run away with that last fight, really dominating every minute, especially into those later rounds after that first round. And regardless of the fact that Leon won the fight or found a way to win the fight late, um, he was defeated mentally in that fight. We can't forget. I mean, the visuals tell you everything. Like I said, you go back and watch it. I mean, in that fifth round, he didn't even walk out of his corner. He just stood there and let Usman run across the cage and get in his face. I mean, he didn't even, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, there was just no, I mean, I think they even said on broadcast, he just wants to get through it. And you could kind of tell it. Like so I said, Dean when, Thomas when the ref too. says fight and he just stands there and lets Usman run, I mean, he was done, man. Tell you um, Huh? Said until he wasn't. Right. Yeah. Well, and I also think the case for Leon is overcoming all that mm -hmm. in a sense. You know, mentally, his confidence, as Brandon mentioned, I think it's going to be through the roof in this fight. Not only because he found a way to win when he thought he had none, but also he was the first man to take Kamara Usman down. Mm -hmm. um, first ever in the UFC. And uh, he did have some success as well rewatching it with the wrestling defense early. Um, and I also think. Uh, Leon is just better in terms of jujitsu compared to Usman, right? I mean, we, we kind of saw that play out in that fight as well. Um, and if it's something that he's worked on, especially the back mounts, I think he could find success with it because at one point, I think it was in the third, he got on Usman's back, but it was just kind of like it, they were standing, but it was like, man, if he really had a nice rear naked mm -hmm. choke, he could have taken Usman's back right there with ease. Um, and lastly, for Leon to see how he responded to his corner, motivating and injecting that injury into him for, uh, for that fifth round, that tells me um, that he, uh, excuse me, can feed off of that positive energy. And as we just talked about this fight being in London, we know how London crowds are. Um, but this is their guy. Yeah, is going to be there. Who is the champion and is defending his title in their backyard. The O2 boys may have its roof blown off again. You know, uh, yeah. I don't, you know, when that walkout happens, that place is going to be electric. Um, I do have questions as always, as John mentioned with Usman's knees, we know how bad they are and also his desire to continue. As John mentioned, um, he has been vocal about the end being soon. And I think win or lose, this could be the last time we see him mm -hmm. in the cage. And I think that's something we have to appreciate because Kamara Usman is one of the greatest to ever do this. So no matter what, we have to cherish every Usman performance from here on out. Uh, the lonely heart in me really wants to take Leon here, boys. <laughs> but my rule when I think it's a close fight could go either way. It's which guy would I bet my mortgage on, right? And for that reason, I can't ignore the dominance that Usman did display in this fight. 
I, I don't know. I just don't know. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Usman mm-hmm. and I like unanimous decision. I do. Um, but man, I, I'm telling you, I could see this thing going either way. Yeah. I really could. We're going to have to stop picking the same people because it's just giving him the <laughs> chance to, to keep running. Our up. co-main event, John, take it Alrighty. away. In our co-main event, we have a lightweight banger as number three, Justin Gaethje faces number six, Rafael Faziv, which real quick, I've seen people call it. Rafael. No, Rafael, but his last name, I've seen people say Fiziev. That and then I see other people stupid. say Fizeev, and I, it's just been weird. It's well, been, we're, we're saying Fizeev. I say it's I've been never, on the UFC too, so I'm like, I, when are you guys gonna get this I've right? I've never heard Fizeev. It's been on like people on ESPN and like some of the commentators have oh, said. Well, it. Well, so you're trust ESPN. ESPN. But like, yes. but, but not like the main commentators because then when I watch the fights, they announce him as Fizeev. So Raquel Pena. Right. So <laughs> we've been waiting for the UFC to stop booking the top five in this division against each other over and over and give some of these lower rank contenders a chance to show that they are challengers. And here we are. Gaethje has had. Three of his last four fights be for a title. In those four fights, he's alternated win and losses, with his most recent being a loss to Charles Oliveira. Why Rafael has also has won six in a row, including a huge TKO victory over RDA. Although it's hard to make proclamations on fights, it's hard. I'm hard-pressed to not say this is not going to be all fireworks. Both of these guys are gritty, hard-nosed strikers who don't know the word easy or quit. I expect this fight to take place on the feet, although Justin does have a wrestling in his arsenal. I think you need to look for Justin to also use those leg kicks to slow down the forward pressure from Fizeev. While Fizeev will be looking to walk down Justin and set up big shots with his counter striking, this fight has fight of the night written all over it. Brandon, who you taking? I like Fizeev here, man. Like I've been talking about it, like John said, getting some of these new guys up. And I think that Fizeev is another step in the evolution of the striking. I think Gaethje has a lot of power and he has great leg kicks, but mm-hmm. I think Fizeev is just more diverse. So I think between that and the cardio... I think we're going to see if he's able to kind of outpoint Justin or he could finish him. Justin gets hurt and rocked, but uh, I think I like Fizee by unanimous decision here because Gaethje's a pretty good three-round fighter. So I'll say Fizee by unanimous decision. John, take it away. Alrighty. Well, we're not going to do well at not picking the same because I actually like Fizeev in this as well. Um, I think Justin has just found himself in some really tough fights. And, I mean, even the Chandler fight, I think he was that was a really close fight that he could have very well lost. And he's just found himself being hit a lot. And I think Fizeev is one of them people who hits people a lot. And I think you can't let him get off and start getting a rhythm because he's such a high-level striker. Once he finds the distance and starts connecting – Usually it just ends with him eventually getting the win. So I'm going to take Fizeev as well in this. I'm going to say second round TKO. Yeah, my favorite thing, obviously, you guys both said it, but it's just giving somebody new in this division a chance to turn over the top five a little bit. And maybe Justin Gaethje will prove that he still belongs up there. And I'm totally Mm -hmm. fine with that if that's the case. It's just nice to kind of see um, this turnover a bit. Uh, And and to me, Justin has to know this coming into this fight. that you know what this is right i mean this mm-hmm. is him trying to maintain this elite status in one of the best divisions in this promotion and a loss probably puts him outside of the top five and then obviously further away from a title shot who you know once again is another guy who has talked about not wanting to fight much more mm-hmm. um but i do wonder uh if we'll see a more calculated and patient performance from justin gaethje who usually just goes in like a banshee and looks more to entertain in his fights right. than stick to game plans and we know that because it's something him and his coach trevor whitman have talked about that he 
just goes in and it's like game plan out the window. I'm just banging, you know. Right. Um, but the problem, even with that for me, is I just think Faizev is just kind of on another level right now. Um, I think even if Justin chooses to take a more calculated game plan and let's say use some of his D1 wrestling that everyone has been calling for him to use more of since he's been in the UFC, hmm. uh, Faizev is so tough to get down. 92% takedown defense and everybody struggles. Um, to get him down um you know maybe justin can use those heavy leg kicks and try to disrupt the footwork of Faizev, mm -hmm. who has some of the best footwork in this division um but even then you just don't want to get into a kicking battle with a guy like Faizev, who makes you think he's going low and then he whips those things up top i mean it, it just he's just on another level yeah, with when the you're kicking a tiger game. muay thai like instructor yeah. for striking oh absolutely that just lets you know what level he's on yeah, and he's and Faizib's definitely not the guy you want to load up and miss against. Like mm -hmm. we see Justin do a lot, especially if you go back and watch that Oliveira fight, right? Uh, but even if he chooses to make it a brawl, Faizib is so comfortable getting in the inside and exchanging. Like the Brad Riddell fight, that mm -hmm. fight should be a not. My favorite thing about a Faizib fight week is I get to go back and rewatch that fight. It, <laughs> and if there's a case for Apex fights, it's that. That yeah. fight is just crazy. I mean, just banging dude um but i do uh, i do think justin can always land a big shot that puts faizib's lights out as well but i really think faizib will be too much for gaichi on the feet faizib also has one punch knockout power don't forget um and he's mm -hmm. gonna have to be smart stay tight defensively but i think he takes it uh gaichi is tough uh but we have his seen his chin be a little suspect as well especially recently so i will say faizib by second round tko john took second oh did you sorry yeah. uh let's move to the third then yeah, I think, not? like I said, I think fight of the night for sure, man. All right, boys, our next featured fight, number four, Marvin Vittori versus number nine, Roman Dolice. Boys, Marvin Vittori comes into this fight just one and two in his last three. However, those two losses were to then-champion Israel Adesanya. Sounds so weird saying that. <laughs> and most recently, Robert Whitaker back in September. Uh, both of those losses were by decision. His lone win during this run, uh, which splits the losses, was a unanimous decision victory to Paulo Costa, his opponent, Roman Dolice, uh, has become one of the middleweight division's top prospects. Dolice, who has fought most of his MMA career as a light heavyweight, made the move down to 185 back in 2001 and lost his first fight of his uh, career doing so. I believe it was to Trevor Giles, if I remember. Mm -hmm. uh, however, since then, Dolice has rattled off four straight wins and is currently on a three-fight finish streak over Kyle Dawkins, Phil Haas, and most recently, Jack Hermanson back in December where he won by second round TKO. What a finishing sequence that was. Also worth mentioning, Delite took that fight on two weeks notice um, and Hermanson was the first ranked opponent he had ever faced. Uh, however, this is an even, even bigger jump for Delize who's looking to enter his name into the top five of the middleweight division but Marvin Vittori already making it very clear in the lead up to this fight, boys, that he wants another title shot and he isn't about to let old Delize make a name off of the Italian dream. Your guys' thoughts and picks, we will start with Brandon. Who you taking? Okay, so uh, Roman made a fan out of me when he beat her man that like was that, nuts. that was super fun so to watch crazy. but when i think about this matchup if i'm using my head i i don't know how i don't go with vittori yeah. i just feel like he's sure. way more experienced i think he's a little more solid um but i've got to make some points guys i'm gonna take some chances so okay. i'm gonna take roman here i'm actually gonna take him by oh man again the smarter decision would be decision here but i'll mm, yeah i'll save roman by unanimous decision okay John, who you All got? Right. Yeah, I mean, Vittori's never been finished. Um, 
and also I feel like the change to extreme couture, doing a lot of time at Tiger Muay Thai, mm-hmm. kind of strengthening up and sharpening up that striking will be good for him. Um, it's hard not to be a, a a fan of like the recency of seeing what Roman has done and even that position that he had Hermanson in where he just couldn't move. He did such a good job controlling one of the better grapplers in the division. But Vittori has such a good gas tank. He doesn't have a lot of holes. He just there's been guys who've just been able to be better at him in a certain area. But I do think the changes that Vittori's making are gonna be really beneficial for him. I'm gonna take Marvin Vittori by unanimous decision. Yeah, this is where you do your homework a bit. While I do think that the top three guys in this middleweight division uh, have kind of separated themselves, right, with uh, Pedeta, Izzy, and Whitaker, um, and they've separated themselves from the rest of the pack, I do think Vittori is the leader of the rest of that pack. Mm-hmm. So if Delite gets a win here, look out, because he will for sure have a future. You earned it. Yeah, he'll be a future title contender, for sure, 100%. Um, but I am going to lean Vittori here as well. Both guys are very well-rounded, but I think Vittori may just be a little bit better in most areas here. Here, especially on the feet and um, I think he gets it done here with just a clean and possibly dominant striking performance I think he can kind of outstrike Vittori he does have good footwork as well Re- pretty good defensively sometimes at times yeah. it's a little crazy um, I also think um, with it just being a three-round fight uh, he will really look to put the pace on Delice and just overwhelm him as I mentioned, though, Delite does have power, and, and uh, Vittori does, in all jokes aside, have a tendency to make himself available to be hit quite mm-hmm. often. We've seen it before, but he's got a chin, man. Granite, Vittori does. Granite chin. I think Vittori can also take this fight down whenever he wants, but he has to be careful of yeah. staying or landing in Delite's guard because he's very active off his back and chaining stuff together. If you look at his last two wins, both of those finishing sequences started with him on his back, guys in his guard, and more specifically, both of those finishing sequences starting off of leg entanglements as guys were looking to get up and pass uh, so watch out for that as well because he is dangerous there mm-hmm. but even with that Vittori has never been finished in his MMA career as John mentioned uh, Vittori should also be well prepared for Delice. Um having left Kings MMA Vittori did doing most of his camp with Chris Curtis and Sean Strickland at Extreme Couture um and Chris Curtis was just in Dolize's corner. That's Dolize's former gym, believe it or not. Mm. And Chris Curtis was just in Dolize's corner as recently as the Jack Hermanson fight. So they definitely know his game. Um, now, Dolize, as John mentioned, did go to Tiger Muay Thai, which I think is great for him. So I'm definitely interested to see if he's added some new wrinkles that could surprise us on Saturday. But mm. I think Marvin will be very well prepared for this fight and really is going to look to make a statement. Um, yeah, neither guy's ever been finished. So I really do like Marvin Vittori by decision but since it's taken i will say marvin vittori by tko let's take it which yeah. round uh, uh second we'll say second i don't it really doesn't matter Pick one yeah I, I don't know that's a tough one yeah that's gonna be a really good fight man also on this card boys gunner nelson versus brian barbarina joanne wood versus luana carolina jack shore returns against Amira Khani, and then the undefeated casey o'neill takes on jennifer maya also, you have the undefeated flyweight, Muhammad Mokhaev, who is a guy I'm pretty high mm-hmm. on, who's also on this card. Um, so it's going to be a fun fight night. But, man, this main event, whoo, yeah. gets me all <laughs> types of hype. Uh, John, let us get into our game. We're going long today, so appreciate you guys sticking around, but we wanted to get a game in here. So let's get to our purple belt game, Pinching for Purples. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Funny enough, the name, the only name I came up with was Who's the White Belt Bully? Okay. Because that's kind of what purple belts are memed for. Mm. But I like the pinching uh, aspect as well. Brandon, can you get our boards down there? I didn't even think about that. Sorry, that's my fault. And the marker should be with him. 
So yeah, essentially why he's getting that, um, what I did is I scoured the internet to find uh, athletes and celebrities and all these people who train jujitsu. And what they're going to have to do is decipher who has their purple belt uh, compared to who has another belt. It could be white to black and maybe even to not at all. You never know. So um, I tried to mix these up, try to make it a good, um, try to make it surprising um, so pretty the exciting. problem is you guys never put my markers back. <laughs> Says the guy who told us where they would be right over here. Well, I just saw the boards. Are they on the like side ledge there on those yeah. little hangouts? Because that's where they would be. So the pinching uh, aspect. Yeah, let's hear about this. Is it's going to be? It's pretty simple, but essentially, uh, if I get one right and say Brandon gets it wrong, I get to pinch Brandon, and nice. then vice versa. Um, the only rules is you can't use fingernails. Mm. Has to be a clean pinch, no nail involved, um, and that just, yeah, because that just is going to suck really bad. You also get to pick anywhere from the shoulder to the wrist, Brandon. <laughs> anywhere from shoulder to wrist. If you can't find the markers, I honestly blame John. He's probably the most irresponsible of the three of us. Not even close. Um, don't worry about it. We will just we'll just write it on our phone. Yep, that works because I have no idea where those are. They should be still here. All righty, let's get into our first. I guess what do you call it? I just did rounds. All right, round one. How many? We got seven rounds. Seven right? rounds. So there's no, there should be no way of a tie. I, I hope I pinch Brandon seven times. That let's go. Be, I hear, real quick, are we doing all the pinches at the end or in no, between each round? In between round? each round. Nice. Yeah. So there's <laughs> a possibility for seven pinches in here. I'm excited for you guys. Okay, so <laughs> round one, we have who's the purple belt? Chuck Liddell. Or Mark Paul Glossolar, who is Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Oh. Trains with Mario Lopez. Chuck Liddell or Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Okay. You guys got him locked in? Yep. Let's see him. What do you got? Ooh, Brandon with the win. Chuck oh. Liddell is the purple belt. All right, where do you want right, the pinch? Get, you let me, pick, you let me pick, get the you, bottom of your wrist. Oh, that's <laughs> No nail. So wait, what was, I just know no nails. Just no that's nails. It? No nails. Come on, you puss. Oh. <laughs> All right. I was actually kind of shocked to see Chuck Liddell only being a purple belt for as long as he's training, especially with the Kempo. Uh, but. I like it. Go ahead. All right, round two. So is Zach Morris a belt? He's a blue belt. Oh, okay, all yeah. right. I said he's been training for a decade, but he's only been pictured wearing a blue belt, so maybe he's just kind of off and on. All right, all right. All right, round two. Hamzat Chemaev and Alex Pajeda. Who's the purple belt? Okay. You locked in? All right, let's see him. All right, Hamza is the purple belt. Get over here, Alex I, Pereira is a brown belt. I want the back mm. of the. I want the back of the tricep meet. I just saw the video of Alex getting. They his. gave Alex his purple belt after the Izzy or his brown belt after the you Izzy ready? fight. You ready, Let's go. Oh, that was terrible. Dang it, dude! Come on, I felt I like full a sleeve one. of tattoos, and that's where you pick. I felt like that was gonna be a good one. I felt that was a good one. We're one one now, so let's see how it goes. Uh, round three, we have Tim Sylvia and comedian Ari Shafir. The heavyweight uh, legend Tim Sylvia and the comedian Ari Shafir. You guys got him? Yep. yep. Let's see it. Oh, Brandon's right. Ari mm. Shafir. Same spot. Tim, Sil <laughs> Tim Sylvia is a brown belt. I like. I like. Brandon's going for strategy here. He's going in the same spot, so he's looking to break down the <laughs> skin. <laughs> Ari Shafir, a uh, good friend of Joe Rogan, has been has been, was said to be a purple belt. Right. As Tim Sylvia is a brown belt. All right. All right. Brandon's up two one right now. Round four. We have our boy, Davey Grant, and Dominique Cruz. Who is the purple belt? Wavy Davey or Dominique Cruz? Hmm. You guys locked in? Yeah, thanks. Let's see. 
All right, Nathan, you got this one. Oh. Wavy Davies, a purple belt. Dominique Cruz is a Let's blue go. belt. I'm going to go with the, um, uh, what's the skin on the elbow called? The weenus. The weenus. I want your weenus. Straighten that arm. Straighten the arm. <laughs> I don't think you can feel anything there. Like, I literally think that's like right, no right. feeling. I was very I was very shocked to see Dominique Cruz. All right, being we're going the off the back belt. of Brandon's arm because apparently yeah. he's been burned there as a child and has <laughs> no nerve in his back. <laughs> All right, uh, round five, we have Jared Cannonier and Lex Friedman. Oh, I know this one. I think I do too. Jared Cannonier and uh, Lex Friedman. Okay. All right, let's see your guys' answer. And yes, you're both right. Yeah. Jared Cannonier. Lex is a black, isn't he? Yeah, it? he's a first-degree yeah. black belt. That's what I thought. Um, it got to a point to where like finding people who weren't or like find like I had to try to yeah. s- mix them up. It got because we've done the blue belt game sure, like yeah. two or three Purple times. Probably pretty tough. So it's three three. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Three yeah. three. Mm. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Round six, we have Mark Zuckerberg and Eve Torres, who is a three-time WWE Diva champ. She's a, re- a former wrestler. Eve Torres. You guys got him locked in. Yeah. Yep. Let's see him. Ooh, Nathan got this right. Eve what? Torres. Mark Zuckerberg's only a white belt. Yeah. Bring it over. Are here. you sure Eve Torres isn't a black belt? She, oh, well, I had to leave off her last Husband's, name. Her last husband's name is Grace. Yeah, Grace. but she's only. Where do you want? What do you want? Going top. Right on, right where it says jujitsu. Okay. Ah! <laughs> that was your best one. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't sure if she was just purple, but that's all I could ever find anywhere. Hmm. No right. pictures of her in a black belt. It's okay. Um, then now we're in our last round. That so. one felt good. Yeah. <laughs> I felt some meat in that. So one. Nathan's up 4-3 right now. Right. Okay. And this is our last round. And it's Marvin Vittori and Artem Lobov. I think I know this one. Who is the purple belt? Marvin Vittori go with my or gut. Artem? Nathan's up 4-3. to three. You guys could technically tie here. We'll see how this goes. Let's see the answers. You guys are both wrong. Oh. Marvin Vittori is a brown belt, and Artem Nate. is a purple belt. So Nate wins. Nathan yeah. wins four to three. Take that purple belt. Got yeah. all the pinches in. Should have done your purple belt homework. I guess. <laughs> I'm not so sold on the Torres one, but whatever. If you can find different, then. But here's the thing: when you're looking, hold up on, this, hold on. Brandon wasn't so sold. Remember when I beat him in that one? He's like, I don't even remember what it was. It was, it was a was nickname. Like, yeah, and he was like, "What? That's not right." Oh, it was the Connor thing. I think <laughs> yeah, it was something yeah. to do with Connor. I remember, and I'm like, "All right, I think I'm right." But <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can find different, you can bring it back and say I was wrong. Hey, yeah, he's over one on that. Yeah. So. yeah. That's all right. I had congratulations, you, mate. Yeah, congratulations to Brandon on the purple belt. Um, you can tell how much it means to us that you got your purple belt. That we're doing this three months later, yeah. but you know, that's <laughs> fair. Had to get, get had to get it in where we could. Uh, pigeon for purple. Hey, can I say this? I think our first YouTube content is a uh, slap parody, but we're gonna do the power pinch league. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll make it like real slow mo and dramatic. Well, uh, we know who has the best defense over here, it's man. Brandon, I, yeah. I got a story for you guys after the podcast. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, John. Let's get into the news. All right. Going on the news. Uh, going on the news. Uh, uh. And if you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. I hope that top arm gives you a little bruise. Touch must see your wrist oh, this it's week. Under, it's under your yeah <laughs> yeah right. He did. I do like the strategy there. I did like the strategy. Go ahead, John. UFC announcing that UFC 288 will be taking place in Newark, New Jersey. Now officially being headlined by Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo. Yeah. The card also features Charles Oliveira and Benil Darush and the return of Crone Gracie. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It so. is fun. I will continue to say, I think I said it a couple weeks ago. Benil Darush, Charles Oliveira, the biggest non-title fight yeah. in the UFC, right? Like. You know, no bigger non-title fight they can make. So, 
that to me that almost could have been a main event because um, mm-hmm. it's just a massive massive fight and you're just sprinkling a little aljo and Cejudo on top of that like yeah i'm excited for that yeah and i mean the winner of both of those fights set up a lot of stuff later in the year as yeah. far as what can happen at two different divisions yeah. there um bellator ceo scott coker saying that after having talked with Francis Ngannou, things are feeling 50-50. He sees that the money that Ngannou is looking for could be used elsewhere. This comes after an unconfirmed leak text stating that Francis would be looking for around $30 million for his next fight. Yeah. Although there has been increasing reports that there are serious talks between Francis and Deontay Wilder for a potential bout. That's fun. Yeah. I like that But a you lot. know, like, <laughs> so, so me and John were like kind of talking about this last night. And I said, yeah, the, the Deontay Wilder thing is fun. My only thing with that is, like, if you're Francis and... I mean, because here's the thing. It makes more sense than Tyson Fury. Like, Tyson Fury would just box his ears off. At least with... I mean, Wilder is still going to be the better boxer Mm -hmm. and will probably win. But Wilder is a little bit... Would you say greener? Wilder. <laughs> yeah, but he's just he's he's hasn't boxed nearly as long as Tyson yeah, either. He started later, but in he's life. still going to be leaps and bounds above mm-hmm. Francis. But the thing is, when Tyson Fury or uh, excuse me, Deontay Wilder knocks people out, it's different. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I genuinely feel like if he knocks Francis out in that fight, like Francis will never ever be the same again. Mm. I mean, dude, these scariest knockouts since Mike Tyson, in my opinion, are except for Tyson Fury, who Undertaker stood up. I was gonna say, what do you say about that guy? Right, but But that's the only Francis has took some big shots and four ounce gloves for some big guys uh, in the UFC. I mean, remember the Stipe, the last Stipe fight? He was wobbled, set his feet, and knocked out Stipe. Exactly. That almost further proves, dude, Deontay Wilder, and he doesn't even like hit people flush, man. He doesn't have. He hits people the same way Francis does. He throws unorthodox punches from weird angles, and it's just like. I mean, throws him from his hip, man. It's so weird, dude. Who did he knock out? And he like literally clipped him like on top of their head. Like it wasn't even like yeah, I can't remember the dude's name. The, I think it was the Brazilian. Garcia. No, I thought it was like a Brazilian guy or something. But like, dude, I, I really think like, I mean, granted, if it's a thirty million dollar payday, Francis does never need to fight again. But like, if he is planning a return to MMA, I mean, what Francis? You know, say if the you know the they figured out the UFC and we get Francis Jones a year after he fights Deontay Wilder. Like, what Francis are you getting coming off a knockout to Deontay Wilder who just, I mean, it's scary. Dude, he, you know how hard Deontay Wilder hits? He hits people so hard that he cries for them after the fight. (laughs) Like, literally, if you go watch his last um, knockout, whoever he knocked out, he was crying for that man. He's like, he Mm. didn't deserve that. Like, he's, you know, he's going to change. Because he knows, man. He knows he's changing people's lives Mm. when he touches them. And, and dude, that just really worked. I mean, the same could be said if he fought, you know, Tyson Fury as well. But Mm -hmm. I think Tyson would more just kind of play with him because he's just kind of that guy, you know. Mm -hmm. Dude. Deontay Wilder is not going to play around. Well, and it becomes interesting, too, is if they try to do a one-for-one, one, one MMA, mm-hmm. one boxing, because yeah. Francis could do the same thing to Wilder sure, sure. In, a, in a cage. But I just think... Being able to kick him... Four-ounce gloves on Wilder, though? Yeah. Well, you also would probably see Francis go back to that gone, that game, yeah. that, taking the that, that takedown and stuff I like just, that. Yeah, I just really wonder what... If Deontay Wilder were to knock him out, what Francis Ngannou you get 
after mm-hmm. a fight like that. That's just the only thing. And I uh, with what Francis is looking for, boxing is the only thing that's going to make sense, to be honest. Yeah. Because yeah, unless the PFL wants to give him big money to do a one in one on their platform, but they don't really have that type of yeah, uh, if budget. If, if that 30 mil, mil thing is true, yeah, the only way he's getting that, I would think, is in boxing. Because so. I feel like Francis has also said that he knows that there's a chance he might have to take less if he does an MMA contract sure. than what the UFC wanted to offer him. Yeah. But if he's getting the other things he wants, I'm guessing that could be worth it, but sure. we'll see. Uh, sticking to Bellator, Bellator 292 happened Friday. Um, some interesting results. First of all, Michael Venom Page <sighs> winning in a gruesome 26 second knockout <sighs> via leg kick over Gatoy uh, Yamanuchi, Yamuchi, something like that. First of all, I've never seen a, somebody's kneecap just get imploded. Explode, yeah. Have you seen the video? Yeah. Just mm-hmm. immediately just... And when people kick somebody else there, their leg breaks. Yeah. Like we've seen that many a times, except for Michael Venom Page, who has Ugh. the most gruesome after-fight injury knockouts I've ever yeah. seen ever. I mean, obviously, literally caved in Cyborg's skull. I mean, this guy I mean, <laughs> just rearranges people's anatomy like yep. it's nothing. And the guy only has two loss in Bellator, obviously, to both champions at this point so yeah i think he wants a, a title fight but obviously he wants to stay busy too so sure I, I mean i don't know what you do with the guy but i don't know how like if you have a favorite fighter in bellator and he's a welterweight you probably pray that he doesn't end up going yeah. against michael venom page because he just changes guys lives for yeah. real yeah i don't um, think cyborg ever fought again after that did no he? i don't think crazy. so crazy um in the co-main event alexander shibley Went against Tofik Moisayev in a third-round TKO. The reason I bring this up, first of all, um, Shibley does advance in the lightweight uh, Grand Prix, but there was also a weird instance because Shibley landed a kick to the chest, and on his way down, his foot hit the groin of um, uh, Tokif, and the ref stopped it because they thought it was a foul. Well, afterwards, the ref said basically it was a clean shot that hurt him, and then obviously the groin shot came afterwards. Um, it was communicated to Tofik that if he can't ret- he can't continue, then the fight's over because it wasn't technically a foul after the judge or after the referee ruled it. He said he couldn't continue, thus meaning he lost the fight. But there was a lot of confusion because it was a clear kick to the chest that, like I think it maybe said broke a rib, Ooh. but then on the follow down it did kick him dead in the cup. But it didn't happen until after mm. the original chest kick. So that's just an interesting thing that we mm. haven't really ran into. Yeah. Um, and then in the main event, man, Usman or Magomedov defeating Benson Henderson yeah. via a rear naked choke in the first round. Also hit Benson Henderson with one of the nastiest question mark kicks I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, afterwards, uh, Benson, Henson, Benson Henderson announcing in the cage that he is retiring, saying that his plan was once he signed his four-fight deal with Bellator that he would tire once he lost any of those, mm-hmm. obviously losing Friday night. Mm-hmm. Loved he had on the BJ Penn style shorts, but <clears throat> yeah, just a legend, man. I mean, we're still not sure if he was fighting with a toothpick, but we kind of think he was. <laughs> Benson Henderson. If you guys don't know Benson Henderson, the guy's beat. A who's who, um, and a hundred percent used to fight with a toothpick in his yeah. mouth, like which is, and we're talking championship fights, like won and defended the UFC lightweight title with toothpicks in his mouth. Yeah. He did it in the WEC, I think, too. I think is he actually talked about it in an interview. Unless he's lying, his wife kind of convinced him to stop doing that. Like later on in his career, I just don't know how you get to the point where that's just <sighs> happening. But yeah, I mean, the dude's a legend, man. Um, <laughs> Sanctions, man. Yeah, Sanctions. C- congrats to him. Obviously, having yeah. a really good career. Oh, yeah. um, oh, that was yummy, John. Yeah, thanks for that. It was coming right when I was about to say a word. I mean, I don't know if people hear when John burps and does all the stuff stuff that he does, but I mean, in headphones, it is absolutely disgusting. You're welcome. We need to get you a dang mute button or something. Uh, 
Jake Paul <laughs> seen on video running away from Floyd Mayweather security after the two of them got into a heat exchange after a Miami Heat game. Uh, it looked like it was Jake Paul and one security guard and like 17 people yeah. at Floyd's camp chasing them down the road uh, eventually. He, did, he just took off running, which yeah. was hilarious to see. <laughs> well, because the guy who's recording him on video is like, hey, y'all, look, Jake Paul the champ is running away and like chasing him and asking him <laughs> questions. But, dude, like if like seven or eight bodyguards mob up to you, like anybody, like what are you going to do to stand there? Well, here's the thing, too. Killed? Do you, like, have you ever seen what Floyd's security looks like yeah they're all roided like up massive, they are the they? biggest yeah. men ever yeah um and so like yeah you're you're definitely getting away from that yeah, anybody would run like what obviously jake paul and floyd have had their things he took uh floyd's hat off right uh, got your hat um but they've just had a lot of exchange of words and floyd was like oh i just so happened to run into him it was nothing but you know with jake paul any of the pauls nothing's nothing yeah. it's all mm. promo 100 percent, so. no shame in running like i'm no. running too you're running everybody's yeah. running like what do you you're just gonna have like a bunch of juice heads thumping Here's on top the thing, of your head even if you even if you had like even numbers there floyd just pays the best guys for a reason mm-hmm. that's stupid so uh, and the last thing i have is devin haney and vaseli lomachenko agreeing to fight in may for devin haney's four titles huge huge fight on the heels of um ryan garcia and tank davis and uh Benavidez and Caleb Plant. So a lot of big fights coming Only up. Only boxing can get closer and closer, I feel like, as we move on to WWE. You remember the Ultimo Dragon used to come out with like seven belts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like boxing now is to the point where we're defending four belts at once mm-hmm. just yeah. to get That's people convinced. Goes. That's what we got. Brandon's song of the week. All right. So for Leon Rocky Edwards, I have to go with the Rocky song. All so right. my favorite, No Easy Way Out by Robert Tepper. Alrighty, like, I like the ties. I love the ties to it. John, what is your one for the people? My one for the people is we're still on the road, man. We're still going hard. Shout out to the Kokomo Wildcats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting a huge victory over Fort Wayne North. Yep. In the regional. Was, regional. In the champs. regional. It's got a tough bracket, though. I don't know how Ben Davis made 4A now. There's a couple other schools that are really tough, but. Yep. They advanced, advanced to semi state and. Uh, guess what, Brandon? I continue to see more and more people each week that I went to school with who know nobody on the team going and supporting. Logan Sports sold games. out. Yeah. So um, I say we make a pact. And I say if the Kokomo Wildcats make it to state, we're going to Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis to watch. I have to go? You yeah. have to go. Why? Because we have to put an end to it. I want you to see it's no it's all a, the people that are there with no kids. Because you're going to see probably, I would say, at least a thousand 90. people maybe yeah. of people. And there's no way they're all attached to somebody on that team. And mm. I want you to see it. So I think that's only fair. Mm, if our beloved Wildcats make it to the state. Well, they won't make it. So I'll just say that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm just saying. Brandon, what's your one for the people? Uh, one for the people. You guys are going to make fun of me for this, but I played pickleball for the first time Dude, on Friday. Dude, I've been wanting to play that for so long. I had so much fun. Where'd you play? Uh, uh, we went to a church event Friday, and so okay. there was, we played there, and they kind of showed us, and I kind of watched for a few games, and I was like, I don't know. And then I played. I'm hooked. Did you Dude, dominate? I, I did I, I they did, told me I did really well for playing my first time, dude. If they're just being nice, I'm not even. Probably. I'm like, you didn't tell us this before. I'm not even joking. If you ever want to play again, let me. Like, I'm so down. Yeah, uh, we can drive. Uh, our board. <laughs> I, no, dude, I, I've really. No, been, it's it's funny because he thought like, all right, I'll say this, but no, these guys are gonna no. crucify me. It's like, dude, yes, high five. Well, we're brothers. Thing, like, like you watch it, and I'm like. This actually looks kind of fun, and I'm like, there's no way 
uh, this many people are getting hooked to it. Cause you're not the only person that I've heard say like, I'm hooked to this thing. Yeah. Our boy, Damien Dino Swoke has, they, there's a pickleball court right across the street from okay. their house. Um, and, uh, he said they love it. Like yeah. they they play and stuff too. He has so, to be a monster too, being so long and fast. Yeah, well, like, the thing is like tennis, if you've ever played tennis, I've played. It's so tough. Yeah. Though. If you're not good, you're yeah. just going to get smoked. Pickleball slows it down. So yeah. you actually have a chance. And yeah. I loved it. I'm better at badminton. Yeah. It's more my speed. Yeah. Even badminton yeah. is like, you, there's a lot of running and like it can get pretty you know back and forth dicey mm-hmm. fun fact though we'll say this badminton me and john champions right so our gym teacher used to be in high school he was our also the football coach he used to be like the best at badminton and he would literally two on one every so what so every gym class he would hold a tournament whoever won the tournament would then get two on one him and uh me and john beat him and we were the only people. He was like, I've played football players today, basketball players, and you two are the Highest only level athletes. <laughs> and it was yeah, us. and it was me and him. Now, granted, mm. we were in freshman football shape at the time, yeah. so I guess like we weren't <laughs> too far off. But like, if you knew back then some of the athletes that he like two on mm. one beat, you would be like, how'd you guys pull that off? And I say chemistry. Yeah, time. I was about to say, <laughs> we had so much time together playing different sports and chemistry, we just knew. But I'm all in on mm. the pickleball. If you ever want to go again, 100%. Let me know. Yeah, we'll I'm down. Uh, I guess my only one for the people, I was going to bring up the Wildcats, um, Purdue playing in the Big Ten mm. final today. Boiler up, let's go get it. I'm really excited for that. Hey, maybe Kokomo Wildcat, Flory Badunga, Purdue never Boilermaker know. in the future. You never know. Mm. Could happen. I don't know. See, I'm not. I've got vested interest now. Yeah. Matt Painter showed up to the Wildcat games. I'm a Purdue supporter, right? I don't so. know who Matt Painter is. All right, that's fine. That's fair <laughs> enough. He's a pickleball legend. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Boys, that's all we got. Appreciate know, everybody for sticking around. Yeah, hope hope it was worth the the longer episode today. But come back next week. We're gonna talk about UFC 286. Do we have a fight night? Or are we are, do we have? A week? I can't remember. I think we have a fight night, but we'll have to check in on your wrist because you did take a couple pinches. I did take a couple. Let's see pinches. how that goes. Yep, that's right. Pinching for purples, baby. Come back next week. Peace. Peace.